We're going to spend some time talking about uh, the Emmaus Road, which is uh, this incredible uh, journey that some men went on on the same day that they discovered the tomb was open. And uh, this sort of reflection on what happened after Easter, I think, is one of the most uh, powerful times to reflect on. And, and the thing that keeps on uh, you know, sticking with me and pressing with me is, Jesus, you know, why did you do all of this? Why did you go to the cross? Um, Jesus did not go to the cross just to forgive sins. The forgiveness of sins was a means to an end. The forgiveness of sins was um, get yourself clean so we can chat. Get yourself clean so we can live together because our sin in us, the, unfor- the, the, the rebellion in us, had the effect that if we came into God's presence, we would just ignite. We, would be, we, would just, he, we cannot be in his presence uh, with anything unclean in us. Not because he wants it that way. It's just because we've played in the mud as it were. When rebellion is part of us, when you go into God's presence, no matter how much he loves you, his fire will just burn us up. So the only way that we can come into his presence is through his grace where he actually neutralizes that or he takes it away. And So when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross to take everything in us that was impure, that was defiled, that was rebellious in order that when we come into his presence we actually can have a conversation. And so you can't make that happen yourself. He's got to do it in you. And so the point of the crucifixion was opening up the door of heaven and opening up heaven on earth so that we could actually be reunited with the God who walked with Adam in Eden. And so last week I went through very quickly, I said in Luke 24 there's all these open, open, open and I thought maybe it would be worth spending a bit of time on that. Where you look at, uh, you look at Luke chapter 24, do you know what closed looks like? Closed. A closed door, closed eyes, closed body, closed mouths, closed attitudes. Do you know what those look like? I think we do know what they look like, don't we? And at the beginning of Luke 24, everything was closed. Everybody was afraid. The tomb was closed. Jesus had died on the cross. There was no hope for anything. The heavens were closed. Everything was closed. The Romans were everywhere. The Romans oppressed everything. The Romans were the ones who had won. And by the end of Luke 24, everything's open. And it starts with the open tomb. The Romans have gone. The women have come. They've, they've wondered at what's going on and from their open tomb you just get openness rippling out and rippling out and rippling out. Do you know what open looks like? Open, open disposition, open doors, open eyes, open hearts, open attitudes. See, if we know the difference, then we should be able to figure out what God's about. What God's about is bringing people into openness. What closes? Fear, intimidation, shyness. What opens? Boldness, confidence, security. What closes? Not able to worship, shyness, indifference, laziness. What opens? Gratitude, thankfulness, a desire to praise. And I have this theory that actually we've got very complicated in in our ability to try and defend closedness as something that's got to do with personality. And it's got nothing to do with personality. It's got to do with God's presence. And when God is present, openness happens. And so the diagnostic thing is, is not how do I pray for you to f- experience God while you're closed. The diagnostic is, Jesus, how do we, what is keeping you closed here? That's why Jesus asked questions of people. That's why he said, what do you want? That's why he said, how, what's going on? And I pray this morning that you'll actually reflect on, you know, are you closed or are you open? Where is your heart? This is not an accusa- accusation. 
What do you do uh, with flowers that are, are needing to, to bud and be opened? You place them in the sun and they open because they're in the presence of the sunshine. And so the same is true with God. There's no point in trying to persuade you to be open. I've spent 40 years thinking that the intellect and persuasion is going to open people. I think it has 25% value. The rest is being present and discovering God's presence so that he actually pulls out of us stuff that we can't do ourselves. And if you want to have a, a great Bible study of, of from close to open, look at, look at chapter 24 of Luke, which is what we're going to do. Thank you for suggesting it. How faith grows, and I thought of it, how it comes and grows, not how it comes and goes. If it comes and grows, it's because it's a journey that you, you stay on. And so we have this open tomb. In, uh, we read last week in f- verse 55 of chapter 23 that the woman who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Je- Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. They went home, prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So as far as they were concerned, Sunday morning was going to be, we're going to go and dress the body of Jesus who lies dead in a tomb, and we wish it had been otherwise. Luke 24 blows their minds. And I say this almost every week. When were you last amazed by Jesus? When were you last? I mean, I'll tell you how not to be amazed by Jesus. Filter everything through your mind and your intellect. Because if nothing that can, can pass through your mind and intellect, that if that is the, the litmus test for truth, you will never experience God. You will, you will appreciate some of the facts at a distance, but you'll never experience him because you've reduced him to you. He's only as big as your understanding. You might look at the person next to you and say, you're not that smart. Get over yourself. Your brain is way too small for Almighty God. You might want to say that to each other because sometimes we think, well, not mine. So I just want to assure every of you here, your brain is like a pin head. It is nothing. And if you're stuck with God, you might be because your pinhead brain is insisting that it has to understand everything. And we could invite each one of us here and get our, you know, your understanding would fall through the floor within a minute. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Which is cool because if our understanding is not the bedrock of faith, then we've got some hope. So this whole story of Emmaus Road is one of revelation of God meeting people who had no idea what was going on. And that is very exciting. So on the first day of the week, the woman took the spices and they came into that place and they found this tomb was empty and they didn't know what to do so they ran back. I'm not going to go through this all now. They ran back and they told the others and that famous phrase, they looked at the woman and said, you're talking nonsense. Your words seem to me like nonsense. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. That is not a proof text for women not to speak. It's more a proof text of men don't have a clue. I thought that would get a few amens. And it just shows your prejudice and your need for healing if you said amen to that. You've got some wounds that need to be healed. Sucker. (laughs) And then we have the road to Emmaus. These guys go along the road to Emmaus and because I thought you'd be falling asleep by this stage, I'm going to show it to you on a movie. So here we go. This is filmed um, outside on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem because this is what it looks like. It's almost the, the wilderness. The absolutely profound recognition that they were so out of their depth. It was so beyond anything they knew. And I think one of the ways that we can grow as, as people who know Jesus are to be, allow him and allow ourselves to go to places that are out of our depth. That's why seeking your comfort and your understanding on their own are so useless. 
Nothing will change, but everything changes. And this is, just shows you how it changes. The, you have the empty tomb on the, at the beginning of Luke 24. Uh, the tomb is empty and they marvel. And at the end of Luke 24, the heavens are open as Jesus ascends. They're like bookends. They're like the Tower of London. When they come down, heaven comes to earth and earth knows heaven in a way that's never been known before. When Jesus ascended and when Jesus was resurrected, he introduced into the world a possibility for human, for human beings that hadn't happened since Adam. That we who contain his spirit, now his spirit lives in us, those of us who say yes to Jesus. They didn't live in, in anybody in the Old Testament. Many, many, many churches and Christians live like Old Testament believers. They talk about God, they talk about the Spirit, they think it's relegated to different individual people like the priests. It's Old Testament model. But the value of being able to be a Christian in an Old Testament model means that I can have a sort form of spirituality that makes me feel I'm at least okay with God. And you remember God said, Jesus said, there were many who say, I called you Lord, Lord, but they, they will not enter. Because the thing the Holy Spirit does is it's, it, it brings us to a place of saying who is in charge, who is Lord. And the Holy Spirit also enables us to begin to know the reality of the things of which we speak. You can know that Jesus loves you and God loves you, but not know that he loves you. You can know that he forgives sins, but you walk around with shame. Half of my life I've spent counseling and walking like sin, alongside people who know the theory, but have no transformation in their lives because they've never been shown how to. It's a very depressing thing to be teased by God for all of your life when you don't feel and know the reality of that which you speak. You live, you live a hidden life of weakness, helplessness, secrets and despair. And so the beginning of this was this revelation of God in Jesus but rose from the dead. It doesn't start with the people, it starts with God. So often we live this kind of insipid um, commentary on life, well I don't understand God and I don't believe that stuff. This, and we come out with cliche after cliche after cliche. The beginning of a journey of faith is to begin to start saying, what has God done? And who is he? And so in Emmaus, on the Emmaus Road, God revealed himself in Jesus. He walked for three years on this earth and he engaged with people. He's highly relational. He then gets killed, apparently totally beaten up by the Romans, and then he rises from the dead and that's when the story really kicks in. And what these people in, in, in Luke 24 are wrestling with is, I mean, we were hoping for something. This doesn't look anything like what we were hoping for. It is still unbelievable. And so they wrestle. And so these men, uh, you have this journey on the Emmaus Road and they come running. Listen to their conversation because some of their conversation um, is amazing. This is the same day that the women discovered the empty tomb. And the woman came back and they said, we, we, we've seen Jesus. The disciples said, no. Peter went back and left scratching his head saying, I don't know. I, I don't know. You need a resurrection to make Peter speechless. And it did. And then he walks on this road and the, when these men meet this man who they don't Im immediately recognize, listen to what they said. They, first of all, they said, uh, what are you discussing together? They stood still, their faces downcast. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. This is also like a prayer. There are lots of lessons here. If you want to have relationship with God and you want to pray, be open to questions. Ask questions. Receive questions. Listen to questions. About Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped... 
And everyone here, I bet you, has things that we had hoped. And if you want to find answers to the we had hoped questions of your life, pay attention to this, this passage. Many of us stopped there. We had hoped. It didn't work out as I thought and that's it. And you've just, gained, you've just stopped any possibility of God growing with you. I promise you that Jesus is walking alongside every single one of you because he doesn't have favorites. And he adores you and he loves you and he's jealous for you. So he's beside every single person here, without question. The, the, the issue is whether we will have conversation that shows humility and hunger on our part. It's not that he's not speaking. And for some of us, if I have a conversation with him, he's going to tell me to stop what I'm doing. But when you're in the presence of Jesus, you not only begin to change what you want to be doing, you begin to see something better. So don't write the script. Don't write the script. Don't write the script. Don't write the script. Throw away the script you've already risen, written. Throw away the script that's, that has defined the future by your understanding of your ability. Throw away the script that defines your future by how you see yourself and others and your circumstances. Throw it away. It's too small. There's no resurrection in your script. But you don't just throw away the script. You take up conversation with the one who writes the scripts. And so they have this conversation with Jesus. <clears throat> we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the term early, to tomb early this morning, didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. Now I read this and I go, you idiots. Their, their faces are downcast and they're leaving Jerusalem. They've just had testimony from women, from their friends, that the tomb is empty. And instead of going, what has happened with wonder, they just go, they didn't find Jesus. I wonder what things other people are bearing witness to over you in your life or me in my life and we just don't even listen, we don't even hear. Because what we're going to see in this passage is that Jesus took the very things they already had and he gave them revelation. He didn't bring anything new into the equation. They were downcast because of what had happened, understandably. And he had begun to provide them with clues and provide them with stuff that they could actually learn from. And they still didn't see anything. He said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all of the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. See, they had read the scriptures and they had not seen anything. And he could have, I don't think we've got time to go through the scriptures he read, but he could have read Zechariah 12:10 and 13:1, which talks about a spirit of grace uh, when he was pierced and then a spirit of forgiveness released over the nation. Psalm 16 is what Paul quoted, uh, Peter quoted when he was talking about uh, the resurrection in Acts. Psalm 22 is about uh, written a thousand years before Jesus was crucified by David, which is the one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a whole prophetic word about suffering, the suffering servant. Isaiah 52 is really the suffering servant passage, which is he was he led like a lamb to the slaughter. You just read Isaiah 52, which was written 700 years, documented 200 years before the crucifixion of Jesus. Psalm 46 talks about the blood of the lamb and then he would probably have spoken about the Exodus, the first Passover, where they were led from slavery to freedom through the blood of the lamb on the door frames. And saying this is what this was foretelling. And as he went through these scriptures, because one of the hallmarks of the Holy Spirit is he always lightens up the scriptures. 
He doesn't just focus on a feeling or an experience. Everything has to align with the scriptures. And so Jesus opened these scriptures. And one of the, you know, I often am, am sort of teasing about Bible study. And the only reason I'm doing that is because when Bible study doesn't lead anywhere, it's just a waste of time. Satan can do Bible studies and religious people do Bible studies, but nothing ever happens. You just get bigger and bigger pinheads. You know more and more and more of less and less and less. So your Bible study has to lead you into encounter with Jesus. Everything has to lead to encounter with Jesus, otherwise it's a waste of time. And I've done this for years and years and years, and I've listened to the ways people sidestep the encounter. It's not my thing, it's not my gift. An encounter is an encounter, you just don't have an option. Jesus meets introverts, extroverts, and every personality type, because we need what he has to give, which is his spirit living in us to bring about openness. What does the openness of Jesus living in us look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, hope, courage, all the hallmarks of the Spirit of God. That's why you can't fake it. And that's why sometimes God puts us under pressure to say, are you faking or is this real? What gets released under pressure is what truly is in us. That's why community is so good. That's why humility should never be a problem. Because I'm always a work in progress and you're always seeing the good, the bad and the ugly. But you're not discouraged. And so these guys, they looked at this and then they carried on walking with him. We haven't got time, but I love this phrase. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us and opened the scriptures? Do your heart burn within you when you do that? I can't give a sermon until my heart starts burning. I usually look it up on Monday morning. I usually just go, Lord, what are we going to talk about? And, and, uh, and I've got to get, I have to get on Monday, I have to get the burning. And the burning is just the hook. And then I actually don't do a lot of preparation. I kind of do it when I'm not doing something else. I'm actually m- reflecting on it all the time. But if the burning is there, then, it, then I can talk to you. The burning, sometimes I'm, I'm coming up here and I'm going, I don't feel much burn. And then God in his grace sort of blazes while we're doing it. But there has to be a burn. And the burn is passion. The burn is an excitement. The burn is a confidence about God's presence. And he's, te- he's telling us this so that we can have this. He's not telling us this so we can go, I wish I was there. He's telling us this because he says, this is not only a testimony about the men walking the Emmaus Road, it's a testimony of a God who meets them there. Because he, he sees these guys and he knows their hearts and he goes, you, you, you're so far and yet you're so close, but I love you so much and yet I'm going to play a game. Let's just disguise ourselves and have a chat and see what happens. God has a huge sense of humor. He made you. And he's put people in your life that might well be the, 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 the manifestation of Jesus for you. If, you. if you stop saying, God can't use them, God can't use that, God can't use that, you just say, Jesus, whoever, I want to hear you. I want a revelation of your goodness. You've got to hurry up. So he opened, the tomb was opened, the men's uh, the scriptures were opened. If you want to know Jesus and you want to know God, you have to open the scriptures. Just stop being lazy. Open the scriptures every day. Take one verse, get a Bible reading aid, but stop being lazy. Because if you don't know the scriptures, you will never have anything objective to hold you. You'll just have your rattled off opinions that you got off YouTube or a worship song or an emotional. And it'll have no guts. You have to, have to, have to know the scriptures. And then you have to know Jesus through those scriptures. Save your own testimony. So what happens? They open the scriptures and as, as he speaks to them about that, you get excited. I remember in 1960, probably seven or eight, I was in a youth group in Cape Town and a, and 
a pastor it was in a Methodist church and he stood up and he spoke about Isaiah and he said this writ- book was written 700 years before Jesus was, was born and it was, the, 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 it was documented 200 years before he was, he was born and these words were written and I think he might have preached out of Isaiah and I was so excited by the thought 700 years before Jesus was born this was written and it just opened my mind a little bit but I've never forgotten that I've never forgotten listening to John Stott. He's a guy from England. I must have been 15 or 16. And I don't know how I got hold of the tapes, but he was, he was speaking on Ephesians. And he spoke about somebody was dead and then he was alive. And I just, for the first time, saw this, what Paul was writing. He said, you were dead and now you're alive. And I, and I was thinking about that. Going, but dead people can't even help themselves. Dead or dead. So when you're dead, you can't say, I'm sorry, you're dead. And then he said, but God. And I go, well, if God chose to bring my deadness to life there's hope for me I don't remember what I was thinking when I was 15 but I knew it was exciting there was something that burned you've got to read the scriptures just tell the person next to you just stop making mistakes excuses for God's sake stop making excuses read the scripture put your hand on the person next to you and pray for God's revelation that when you read the scriptures from now on it's going to come alive I mean you I don't, don't be so proud when you read the scriptures, they're going to come alive. When you read the scriptures, they come alive in the name of Jesus. Oh, shame. Some of you missed that opportunity. Why? God might have just anointed something right now. That's how it works. In the midst of all the chaos, sometimes God just works with power. The disciples' eyes were opened and then their hearts were opened. What happened? They said, come and, come and eat with us. Come and spend time with us. And they had to ask him. He, he made as if he was walking along. And they had to ask him, why? Because you've got to reach out and you've got to do something. Occasionally, he'll just bring it to you because he loves you. But many times, it's you do something. And then he does something. And you do something. And he does something. That's how it works. Faith that grows, walks. All of this is relationship. All of this is relationship. This is the most encouraging thing. If you want to know God... Study his scriptures, but give him opportunity because he will open you. It's like soaking prayer is that. A soaking prayer is like coming into the sunshine saying, God, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm just doing this because I need your presence more in my life. I don't understand it. And many, many times, I've been doing this for seven years, I go, Ugh. But there's something about praying in God's presence that I think does something that I cannot explain. It feels like a waste of time. I've wasted Thursdays for seven years. But I bet you some of that fuels the passion that still is in me. If you don't spend time doing nothing, but Jesus, here I am. Without you, there is nothing I can do. If you don't actually fill me in the mystery of who you are, I don't know whether I can have the passion that will bring life. Because I don't want just words. I want power. And what I mean by that is I want you remember Wendy Backland when she spoke here, she said, some people come into the church and they give talks and you go, eh. But some people come in like Bill Johnson to their church and she said, he spoke exactly the same things we've been teaching for ages and yet people received it. And her explanation was because he had taken it deeper into his spirit and it was coming out with a greater passion. That's what you want, isn't it? When you speak to people, they, they come alive. Why? Because it's in you alive. You probably have this thing of, I met for coffee with Sons and it was, it was dead as a donut. Somebody else has coffee with them. They go, wow, that was cool. You go, why not me? Spend time in soaking prayer. Spend time letting God's Spirit marinate you. 
Watch what happens. You can't force this stuff. It's got to flow out. So it's like an open flower. And people are very attracted to openness. They're very attracted to openness, transparency, passion. The less open and transparent and passionate you are, the more angry you get with people when they won't listen. I'm speaking from experience. You get irritated. They don't listen. I mean, how many times do I have to tell you? You notice that? The less power and presence you have in you, the more irritated you get with everybody else. As loving everybody, is a, it sucks. Forget it. They just don't do anything, Lord. For goodness sake, do something. And he's just saying, oh, well, you're it. I can be it in you, but if you don't, you know. So, open, open mind, open heart, open home. And then, Lord, when he appeared to them, the disciples that, uh, from verse 36, which we read, he opened their minds again so they could understand the scriptures. And then he told them they had gone through all of this openness, all of this experience. Jesus, give me some broiled fish and all that stuff. And then he still says to them, wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. We're going to talk about that over the next weeks. I love this subject. Till you receive power. But we know all about you. We've witnessed your resurrection. We've touched you. you you've given us, we've eaten with you. Uh, it says, wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. All you've got now is information and a heightened belief system. But you don't have the power to sustain it. Because when you speak of me, you're going to come under persecution and you're going to give up unless my presence is in you in a supernatural way. That's the story of the road to Emmaus. Men whose lives and hearts were changed because they encountered Jesus in the scriptures and in the flesh and in their experience. who turned around and went back to Jerusalem, met with the disciples, and they carried on saying, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? They still, Jesus had waited in Jerusalem. They still went down to Galilee and they still had to work out their faith. Let's stand up. You can receive power. You don't have to wait in Jerusalem. It's come to Port Alberni. So if you're powerless and you're passionless and you're miserable, you're the only one to blame. So my ministry to you is suck it up, deal with it. That's not my ministry, that's just being silly. But on another level it is. What if everything you need is entirely resting upon your willingness just to say, Jesus, here I am. And what if this whole morning is about Jesus walking alongside you and just saying, I'm here. I'm for you, not against you. Where are you walking in the, o- the wrong direction? Where are you walking in a direction that is your response to your disillusionment with God? Where are you feeling like, ah, it's not working? Just tell Jesus about that. Because these guys from the Mayus Road told him, are you the only one who doesn't understand? You can be incredibly open and honest with Jesus because he knows it anyway. But when you say it, then you know that you know. And he didn't beat them up with it. He just said, how foolish you are. He might be saying that to you. How foolish you are to believe. Slow to believe. Maybe you're slow to believe. Ask him to make you fast to believe. Jesus, I just speak blessing over my brothers and sisters. I want to pray for the release of your spirit to anoint the reading of the scriptures. I want to pray, Father, that each of us will become hungry to read your scriptures. And I speak and break every lie over every person here where you have decided that right, reading the scriptures is too hard. It's just a lie. It's robbing you of a huge part of what you need to digest every day. And so we speak blessing over the reading of your word in the name of Jesus. That it will not be dry anymore. It will not be empty. It will be alive. That every time you sit down with the scriptures, you sit down with Jesus and you say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? And everything you read in the scriptures with Jesus never condemns you. 
it might challenge you, it might convict you, but it never condemns you. It's always leading to healing and wholeness and inspiration. And because God's Spirit is here to bring openness, where are you closed? Where is your heart closed? Where are you aware of closedness? It'll come out in anger, it'll come out in hurt, it'll come out in blame, it'll come out in the negative stuff. And just like the women who went to the tomb and Peter who went to the tomb and the other disciples who went to the tomb, you have to go back to the place where you close something in order that you can witness the resurrection. And Jesus, in your name, we speak open tombs. In the name of Jesus, anything that is dead, anything that has been uh, closed off, anything that we say we're not looking at that again, but it still festers in us, we break it in the name of Jesus. And I speak resurrection power that blows open tombs in the name of Jesus, that the dead will rise and the dry bones will have flesh on them again in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And he opened their eyes. Where is this Lord want to open your eyes this morning? Does he want to open your eyes? Sometimes we don't know because we're blind, so how can we know what we're missing? So that's why we don't want to use ourselves as a reference point. We start saying, Jesus, will you just open my eyes? Open the eyes of my heart. Open my eyes to see people around me in a new way. Particularly if you're struggling with people. Jesus, just give me new eyes to see them. It doesn't make what they're doing necessarily right. Just give me eyes to see who they are, your love. Give me eyes to see you and give me eyes to see how your eyes see me. Understand that the eyes of Jesus on you love you more than you've ever been loved by anyone, ever. And ask him to make that real for you. He, he did that for me. He just began to melt me because I never thought I'd see it again. I'd never feel it again. And I used to pick up my guitar and sing and then I'd just cry because I was sensing the love of the Father. It's the beginning of restoration. Never thought I'd ever see it again. So Father, I release to, to my brothers and sisters what you released to me a new dimension of love, a new dimension of your, your presence. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Everything open, everything open, everything open. All fear gone in the name of Jesus. You see, when God works in us, he doesn't give us this pond inside. He gives us a river of living water. And that river, river of living, living water needs to, to, to have an outflow. Cheryl came yesterday after trying to dry the clothes all day said the clothes are still damp. So we checked the outlet and it was all cunged up. Once it gets ungunged, the flaps can open and the, the air flows. And she goes, why didn't I see that earlier? But that's the same for our lives. Streams of living water flowing outward. So Father, we pray for the streams of living water to flow out. Let the Holy Spirit release all that he wants through you. Thank you, Father. And part of that release, I encourage you as we come to communion, we break bread just as that they did on the Emmaus Road. When you come to communion today, just come quiet, come expectant. Come and take the bread and the wine. Don't have chats with one another. If you want prayer for healing, or if you want people to pray for you, to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit, go and ask them to pray for you. Do something that actually helps God help you receive. But you know, when, the, when those men were finished and when the disciples were finished at the end of Luke 24, the openness ended up in them praising God and worship. And I encourage you, ask God to give you an open mouth and an open disposition that your praise will become more and more like never before. That you will become someone of praise like you've never been able to praise before. I just speak blessing of praise over you. 
in Jesus' name. To thank you, Father. Just thank him for what he's pouring into you right now as, as, as Dave leads us in communion.